So, Tyler. What's up? What's the worst gift you've ever given? Worst gift I've given? Okay, so when I was young, when I was a kid, my grandmom would take me and my brother to the Dollar Tree to get gifts for our parents. So shout out Grandma Menace for taking us to the Dollar Tree to get us gifts. So we'd go, she'd give us a dollar, we could go find anything we wanted to get our parents. So lo and behold, the thing that I came out with, coming to my grandma, I'm so excited, was a plunger. <laughs> Come back, a Dollar Tree plunger. So pumped to get my parents for Christmas that year. What did they think of it? Oh, man. I, my dad, I still, we still laugh about it because it's one of those things where it's like, of anything that I could have gotten, I chose like, got like a, a, one, a $1 plunger. <laughs> so not even like a useful a plunger. Yeah, like a miniature plunger. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, pretty much the worst you could think. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? One Christmas, I gave Catherine a really, really fancy hair dryer. Yeah, it's called a Harry Josh. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. a Harry Josh. Yeah. What, what was? What did she think of this? <laughs> she laughed, but it was really nice. She yep. still uses it. Still uses the Harry Josh. Look it up. It's real. <laughs> I, I think I'll just trust you on that one. <laughs> Well, welcome everybody. This is Chris Renfro. I'm here with our co-host Tyler Joiner, and uh, we are excited for Weekly Hope this week. So, Tyler, um, is there anything that sticks out to you from this passage as we preach through Genesis three eleven through twenty four this past Sunday? Yeah, there's a there's a few things that um, stood out to me. I'd say first is kind of this blame game that we see in the first part of the passage. So we see kind of these moments of deflecting whose fault sin and ultimately the fall really was. See, God asks Adam, Adam then asks Eve, and then Eve blames the serpent. And so we kind of see this almost circle of, of blame that happens here. Yeah. And ultimately the God chooses to respond to all three. Yeah. So I think that's just interesting in its inception and something that's just easy to relate to. Can you imagine the look that Eve gave Adam when Adam blamed her? Oh, I gosh. can only imagine. I'm like, I would be terrified to blame Natalie for anything <laughs> that one of us could have done. I think so it's I cannot verified. imagine the very first sin being, <laughs> it was her. Yeah, it was her fault. The woman you gave me. <laughs> I'm sure she about... Fuming. Fuming, <laughs> yeah. She went and built a doghouse yeah. for him to sleep in. There weren't oh, even absolutely. dogs yet. She built it. She was like, this is it. You're so, you're so done for. I find it interesting, too, because he gives like Adam and Eve both a chance to like you know, share for themselves, but then does not give the serpent even a second to defend himself. Father of lies. That's true. There's no truth in him. That's what John says. Yeah, totally agree. So as you think about this or you're processing it for your community group uh, or just having discussions around, you know, this idea of blaming and then the consequences that we experience, um, you know, and then this presentation, this first presentation of the the gospel in Genesis three fifteen. Um, like, how does that impact your life or the, the people in your community group? Like, how should that impact our lives as a church? Sure. I mean, I think it's the, it's the, the definition of just shame. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, a shameful, shameful thing. I mean, it's the very reason that they are embarrassed that they're naked at this point in history is they realize just the guilt and the weight of these things and still don't want to take ownership. Yeah. Which is yeah. what's like just so convicting in my own life is the places that we fall and how quickly we want to just justify it in some capacity instead of take full ownership and also share with God and with those in community and in our lives, um, what exactly we've done in asking for help in, you know, revealing those and moving forward from it instead of just trying to deflect it. 
Yeah. That's one of the the things I've been thinking about for my life and for Hope Church moving forward is, man, God, we are, none of us are perfect. Like, we all sin, and we continue to sin, but God's design for us is that that we are great repenters, Mm. and and that we we expose sin. And this is what First John one nine says, you know, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And um I think there's a confession of of sin to God and then, you know, even a confession of sin to one another. For sure. That, you know, there should be someone in our life that we trust enough with the hard things or the deep things or the struggles that we're experiencing. And as we shed light on sin and as we confess it, um, like we can, we can really start to work on the heart level issues of some of those things and be able to, to pursue and seek the Lord um, and, and shed light on it. You know, it's in the darkness that, that all of those things fester and the more hidden, the more we think we can handle it on our own. Sure. You know, the harder it is for us to, to really be able to to move past some of those things that we're walking through. So I just want us to be really good at like repenting and confessing. And it's hard. And I mean, it's, it's a it's really, really hard yeah. thing yeah. Like, to like Your community group, like, why don't you confess in? your sins today? Like nobody no, wants to do that. Like yeah. nobody wants to do that. But I would say from the other side of it, the closest relationships I have in my life have resulted from uh, some level of confession of sin between both of us yeah. to a place where like, I would even say our relationship is as close as it is because you know, the things that I've messed up in and you've helped me walk through that. Yeah. And I think there's beauty in that. I, I'd feel the same way with my wife and with my brother and other relationships that I have where they truly know all of me. And as a result of that, have been able to grow stronger through it. So we haven't really even prepped for this is a little off the cuff, but like, why do you think, why do you think it's so natural for us to just want to hide everything? At least the, you know, the sure. bad. We always want yeah. to like, we yeah. want to overemphasize the good Absolutely. in our lives. And we want to like, just put aside all the bad. You look at even social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like what it is. It's just sure. the highlight reel of our lives and like nothing bad happens. Um, but we, we, we know and we can recognize consciously that's not true. That's not the real us. Um, so like, what do you think? And sure. in the, in the Christian walk in particular, mm-hmm. like what, what's the reasoning for that? Yeah, I think, to one side of it or another, it's some form of root sin of idolatry. So like I would say for me, like I really do care more than I ever should about what people think of me. Mm-hmm. And so with that, it creates a major fear to want to share those things and confess them, particularly to the people that I trust and respect. Because yeah. I want them to, to see the life I'm walking, to see the relationship with Christ as this good and healthy pursuit and to share the times that it is failing is is embarrassing and is shameful. And because of that, I, I fear the reaction that I'd get from them. Yeah. So I'd say, yeah. like, personally, that's how I see it. But I think to some capacity, idolatry is that root, whether it's approval from other people, whether it's, like, a root sin of accomplishment or um, just a, a differing view of um, wanting something besides God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for, for me and for us, you know, what we often see is, these these heart level cravings for you know approval yeah. and comfort and power and control mm-hmm. in our lives and um, we really really need community like we really need trusted people in our lives to to like actually speak in like yeah. actually maybe say something that you don't want to hear sure um, but that is for your own good mm-hmm. and 
Um, I was just thinking about in terms of, you know, why some of this happens. And I do think it's, it's this sin nature that we've inherited in this broken and fallen world that we still, we still have so that, you know, Adam and Eve's natural desire to hide and, and shirk back and flee from, from God. Like, I think still heart level, root level lives within inside of us. Um, but what we've been promised is like, we have new life in Christ and we can, we can put on him. We have these, these robes of righteousness. So even though we aren't perfect and even though we still struggle, like God does want his children to come and confess mm-hmm. to him and, and then experience the freedom and hope that comes through walking in life together with others. So I think that's just one of the key encouragements I have for any Hope Church person that's listening or maybe has heard this sermon and you can feel a little bit like, man, that's, that is not easy. I don't want yeah. to do that. Like, and I'm just not going to do that. Um, but you know, who's that one person mm-hmm. that you can really, you can really trust. And if you don't have a person that you can really trust, I would just so strongly encourage you, you know, plug into a group like it community is built. It's not found. It takes time to, to really like be vulnerable, to open yourself up to others, whether or not they're going to open themselves up to you and like share some of the hard things. And so, you know, to kind of uh, appropriately like be willing to seek out someone that you can build a relationship with and trust some of the, the harder things in your life too. Um, so what in this passage, I mean, where do we see Jesus and where do we see hope? Is, is that even in Genesis 3? No, absolutely. I think we see um, really what some people say is the first gospel in Genesis 3. So um, like I said, there's the blame of Adam, there's the blame of Eve, and there's the blame of the serpent. And God speaks to each of those. And so when God is speaking to the serpent is where we see in verse 15, him kind of really point to the gospel and point to the ultimate what's going to happen to him which is it says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel, Mm -hmm. which is basically just pointing to Jesus and what's going to come from his life and sacrifice, that he'll come from woman, that he'll come, that he'll be tempted, so that his heel will be bruised. But as a result of that, he will ultimately crush the head of the serpent. And because of that, we get to walk in freedom. Yeah. And so we see this picture from Genesis 3, 15, like even the very, very beginning of Scripture, you know, the first really first real interactions mm-hmm. with Imago Dei, like with the image of God and Adam and Eve, that, that God makes this promise, like, yeah, you're going to hurt Christ's body, like yeah. out of woman will come one, and you will hurt his body, mm-hmm. but he's going to crush you. And as we talked about last Sunday, and we talked about this Sunday, you know, we have this eternal hope that then Satan will be conquered. He will be vanquished. And we don't know the day, the time, the hour when that's going to happen, and it's not our place to know, and we may mm-hmm. want it to come and happen sooner. But uh, that's that's God's plan, and that's God's timing, and that he He ultimately gets to decide when, but we already know the outcome. This is accomplished, and we live in that, you know, it already but not yet. Like, yep. he's conquered, and he will ultimately conquer and so we can walk in and have hope in, uh, in, in the Lord through Jesus Christ because of what's happened and also what will happen sure. in eternity. Yeah, I think this was like, truthfully, like a, a light bulb moment for me of, we talk a lot about seeing Jesus in every book of the Bible, 
Yeah. And so to see from the very first conversations before they had even exited the garden, we see these foreshadows and these wrinkles of a promise of a savior to come. Yeah. And I think that's like, man, how encouraging is that to know that since the beginning of sin, Jesus was always the answer. Yeah. And what we, I mean, what we truly see is like after Genesis three fifteen, mm-hmm. every verse in the old Testament is pointing to this. Yeah. Like this, this man coming from woman mm-hmm. who, who's, you know, will have his heel bruised. Sure but is ultimately going to conquer Satan like every verse. And then you get to the New Covenant and the New Testament in Matthew, and it's like, it's here. And now, after Acts and Revelation and the church being born, like, we are all looking back to that mm-hmm. moment. And so it, it really, this is like one of the key key verses in Scripture um, that it, it really all points back to this. And, uh, and then we can see how God's plan from the very, very beginning is for us to know him and for his ultimate plan to come to fruition. Yeah, it really is just an incredible truth. Like the story of the Bible is just infinitely encouraging every time I read it. Yeah, that's why I love the Bible. Yeah. just love it. No. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I really think people should read it. It's it's incredible. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, kind of finishing up the passage then, one thing that I found interesting was... um, that God is talking to Adam and Eve, and he is basically explaining to them how because of sin, childbearing is now going to be painful, and that um, even the ground that they are told to look after will now have thorns and thistles and will be harder and more difficult to do. I think that is interesting in today's society where we have work and we have jobs and roles, but that is not always easy and is oftentimes just hard to wake up and even want to go to work. Yeah. I think this can speak to that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's just recognizing that it's part of the broken and fallen world that we live in, and it it can make work uncomfortable. It yeah. can make work hard. It can make labor, mm-hmm. like actual physical labor yeah. for w- women and childbearing, sure, like sure. painful and difficult. Um, and that you know that's a part of this brokenness that we experience from the fall. Um, and I would just encourage for some of our from some of our church members or guys out there that it's like, man, my, my job is difficult and yeah. it's, it's a labor for me, uh, or for some moms, you know, raising kiddos and you're like trying to bring some sort of order out of this chaos sure. that you experience and you feel in your life. Um, not to be hopeless, but to recognize that is part of the, what we've experienced in the fall. But as the gospel enters into those areas in our life and redeems our jobs, mm-hmm. redeems our families, redeems our, you know, life with kiddos and some Mm -hmm. of the chaos that we feel like we experience, I do believe that gospel enters in and like can provide restoration in some of those areas. So we can view our jobs differently. We can view our families differently. We can view seasons of life and things like that um, as good gifts through, through the power of the gospel. And we Mm -hmm. see restoration and healing here temporarily on earth, but you know, we can hope in that for eternity um, as he does accomplish what he said he would accomplish in Genesis three 15. Yeah. Well, no. Well, I love that. I think just with any passage, it's amazing to be able to leave it encouraged even in another conversation on the fall and sin and repercussion that we live in today. I think it's as much as we need to listen and focus on those things, it's just as easy to care for and focus on just the hope of the gospel that comes with it. Yeah. I think you can't have one without the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are there any 
just final announcements, anything that we can be looking for as a church to be looking forward to. I know we got a busy month coming ahead. Few things coming up on the 24th. We're going to have our friends from Missio Day in Puerto Rico. Hector Candelaria is the pastor there. Uh, they're going to be with us in town, and it's going to be a fun, fun Sunday where we get to introduce them to our church and uh, and get to hear from them. So cannot wait for that. Uh, come, bring a friend, and uh, we would love to introduce you to um, to that sweet family that we're supporting. Um, on the 31st, this is a really big deal. We have our fall family festival. It's mm-hmm. going to be from 11 to one right after our service. We're going to have lunch provided for everybody at Hope Church. It'll be out in the parking lot, um, of our, of our meeting space. We'll have inflatables. We're going to have games. Like I said, we'll have lunch provided completely free, but a great opportunity to bring some friends, bring, uh, neighbors, bring family members, and uh, we're going to celebrate there. We'll also have a trunk retreat. So we're looking for some volunteers that be willing to uh, host a, a vehicle for trunk retreat. We'll provide candy, provide everything, but uh, it'll just be a really fun time for our church to gather together. And then the following Sunday, November 7th, is actually Stand Sunday, which is uh, a Sunday that we're going to highlight adoption and foster care and some of the ministries that we're going to be launching with our church. So it will be another great missions Sunday for us. And I can't wait for that. I hope you can make it on November 7th to Stand Sunday. So that's what we have coming up over the next month. Awesome. Yeah. We hope you have a blessed week, and we cannot wait to see you this Sunday. Be blessed.